Welcome to The Solution, a real estate podcast for agents by agents, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Jeff and Phil run a residential real estate team that will close over $250 million worth of homes in 2018, and they are sharing their insights on growing a team and winning in the living room with actual buyers and sellers. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 42 of The Solution, a real estate podcast. Today, this is actually the podcast that Jeff Seabock and myself, Phil Sexton, host. Our, our tagline is that it's time to put the consumer first in real estate. And so we have been sharing tactics. We've been sharing ideas, things that we do to put the consumer first. And we've gone out there and we have looked for other people in the industry that are putting the consumer first as well. And that's how we came across today's guest. His name is Dan Noma Jr. Welcome to the party, Dan. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, of course, I just have a couple of things to get everybody up to speed on on uh, your resume, if you will. And I know that Seabock is going to to update me as I go. Nice. But welcome to the party as well, Jeff. Oh, Here, let's thank you. Back all right. So everybody can see all of us. All right. There we go. All right. So Dan Noma Jr. is uh, currently the designated broker, right, for Venture REI. Yep. We- that is, uh, uh, you've been a top uh, top five agent from the Phoenix Business Journal's list from 2013, 2014. And at low last year, I was, we were fighting to be the number one team or number one agent, all that stuff. So when I logged on to, I mean, because I view the Cromford Report as an independent party, similar to like the Business Journal, because yeah. there's a lot of yeah. fake awards in the real estate world where we can buy, you know, when an agent buys an award. I don't, I don't know if that counts, but you, uh, you can't buy the business. Journal. You can't, and you can't buy Michael Orr's uh, Crawford report. Cause he just takes all the data out of MLS and then uploads it. And he's a math, ma- uh, mathematician by trait. So we trust his source and excluding builders. Dan Noma jr. Was ahead of me. I mean, I thought I was going to be up there, but nah, nah, this guy was. So Damn. we're yeah. like, got to get him on, find out what he's doing. Cause I, I know very little about venture REI. And then we went to this like big event that Fidelity went on. And of course, then Dan speaking at that event. So we were actually on a whole panel together, right? The yeah. three of us yeah. and Kenny and yeah. Yeah. Steve was there as well. Steve Trang. So uh, now you tell us what. So wait a minute. Also, a couple other stats is that. Venture REI partnered with Zome, or how is the there's a relationship with Zome.com, which is a online platform. And I know that Superseller Arizona is a part of it. Hopefully, we'll get to learn more about what that is from you today. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. So where should we where should we start? Why don't he tell us about what he wants the world to know about him and 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 then we'll get into our, our consumer-based questions later on. All right, got it. So, so Venture itself, started this one in about uh, 2010, so we're almost nine years old now. Um, we've got about 150 agents in the Valley, six offices around, and uh, primarily our work's really been in the investment space. So, you know, I've actually never sold a home to someone that lives in the home. They all are investors, at least my clients are. A lot of our agents work with people that, you know, would live in the home or, you know, are buying the home for themselves. Uh, but my clients traditionally have been hedge funds, private equity groups, institutions, things like that. And so we've done a lot of these like acquisitions for your giant Wall Street REITs that come into town. So they'll come in and they'll say, hey, I want to buy 2,000 homes and I want to rent them at this yield. And so our group's really good on the finance side. So I always tell people I'm a nerd first and a real estate guy second. And so we, uh, we really focus on... 
Yeah, we really focus on uh, our financial wherewithal in the space and really understanding, you know, not only residential investment, but commercial investment. We kind of jump from residential into some retail and commercial and office. But, you know, these institutions hired us to, to do a lot of their acquisitions because we can speak both languages. Like we understand from the Wall Street world and finance and how these guys are actually functioning on the back end to kind of the down in the down in the trenches working with an agent um, on their their listing of their mom's house or their friend and family's home and having those conversations you know across the board in one office is, is kind of interesting. So we're dealing with you know the Wall Street guy and, and the, the mom and pop uh, on the other end. And so that's led us to a bunch of different opportunities. Um, you know I did a lot of short sale, a lot of REO and so that's what led us to, to working with Zoe, which you guys probably want to get into. Yep. Zone's, Zone's really a platform where, you know, we've just kind of looked at the commission suppression that we're having as a, as a, as, a, as an industry. And okay. How do we, how do we keep the consumer happy and still get paid? And how do we do, how do we do these deals and, and make sure that we're doing our job and we're getting, we're getting enough money to do that. So this concept came about, um, Zone is really a nation star company. So it's owned by nation star mortgage. And so NationStar today, I think, is the second largest servicer in the country for mortgages. Um, so they've got a deep database, and they, they said, okay, what if we took the, the commissions and flipped them? Instead of saying the seller's going to pay them, we'll say the buyer's going to pay them. So I always use, I use uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that, huge. That, when we were doing our research, it was because one of the things that we brought up in the past was, or, or we were looking for is, is will – lenders finance buyer side paid commissions and uh obviously ahead of the trend you just answered it yes you got to figure it out so so i don't want to take any credit for that nation star did it on their end but they they actually have a fannie freddie approved addendum that you'll see on our listings that allows the the buyer broker the commission to be paid and financed as part of their their normal loan costs and is it because this because essentially they were paying six percent or whatever the fee was before on the seller side they don't really care because it's still we don't talk commissions same same sorry. agreed they pay right. whatever the percentage whatever was. the I'm yes. sorry I yes. apologize there there's lots of <laughs> lots of percentages out there lots of okay yeah all right our brokers yes. in the next office they, they so were we just used sure to paying a commission so they just yeah. said okay we'll keep paying a commission. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we basically said, okay, let's create a, a space where, you know, the consumer, buyer and seller can communicate about what the offer terms are going to look like. So I kind of use commercial as, as the world that, you know, previous lives, that's all I did was commercial. And so, you know, in that world, you basically submit an LOI to a landlord or an owner, and then you negotiate terms on a letter of intent. Then you move to a purchase contract. Right. So some kind of offers that capability where buyer and seller communicate online and they're saying, okay, you know, this is what I'd offer you. These are the terms that I'm willing to, to, to live with. Seller says, okay, I'm, I'm okay with those terms. At the end of the day, it shows a net net for both of them. They agree to those terms. And then we as brokers step in at that point, write the contract. So how so, does the consumer find the property? So they find them in MLS, Zillow. I mean, all the same places that your listings are showing up, our listings are showing up. There's no different in that regard where the difference becomes in, it's almost like, you know, remember in the REO days when we used to get on equator to make an offer to the asset manager instead of listing agent. Yes. Similar kind of concept here. You know, you're, you're getting online as a buyer's broker. So if you're working with a buyer at one of our, looking at one of our listings then you would just get online zone.com, you would find our listing number. So we'll provide that in the MLS listing. Okay. And then, 
just submit the information that that you know you're about that property. So I want to pay two fifty. I want to do a ten day inspection period. I want two thousand in earnest. And then the seller gets the opportunity to respond back to you on that online platform. So it isn't until both parties have agreed to all the terms that we actually step in and write the purchase contract. Okay, but what you're doing though is you're automating, which is the key part of it, because one of the questions that we had for you later on, I think you're already getting to, is the faster and less hassle portion of the sale. For is, the yeah. buyer or for the seller? I think for both. Right. Do you, you believe it's serving both that way, right? I think so. I mean, for, for us, what, what it does for the seller up front is it sets kind of the, a net, net expectation for the seller up front so they know that they're not going to be required to pay a brokerage fee. So for our advertising and things that you'll see out there is that the seller will net more money in our, our scenario. So basically, I can take what would be a normal market, $300,000 listing, I can market it at 285 in my system, which you know some would argue probably drives more traffic. So if every other home in the neighborhood, well, I think that most would argue that. It, I mean, you know, we're trying to change the the world of thinking that price drives traffic, but the reality is it does. So fair enough. So well done. So you've got a you know a 285 listing and a 300 thousand dollar neighborhood. So now all the eyes are on us, hopefully creating some more competition for the seller. And, you know, on the buyer's side, they're seeing all of the fees. So the buyer, whether they want to admit it or not, or we as maybe as an industry don't want to admit that they're paying the commission or paying these fees at close of escrow, they're either paying it as part of the purchase price or in our world in Zone, they're paying it as a more transparent buyer broker fee. You know, and so that's... It's, so the it's, zone, we got to yeah. clarify the fee. So the Zone, do they collect, they collect the fee for this service? Yeah, so it's minimal fee and it's paid by us as a listing broker. The buyer broker, we always offer a 3% buyer broker commission. So the buyer broker is always going to get 3%. And then we negotiated our fee with, with Zillow. So on the listing side, you know, we we negotiate our cost for that to use their platform. But it has no cost to the consumer on either side. For Zoom has no cost to the consumer. That's right. So you pay the you pay the the so commission. David, you get paid from the buyer side as well then. That's You're getting right. a chunk of that commission as well? Yeah. So have you ever bought something at an auction or say like on eBay, you're buying a buying a buying a, a baseball card on eBay, you know? And so you'll pay a buyer's premium on eBay. And that fee goes off to eBay. Same situation here. So, you know, when you're buying our two eighty five house, you're gonna pay a buyer's premium. To buy that house, that buyer right, similar to like uh, what's oh. the car? The car. What's the, the broker saying? Hold on, the what? broker saying something through the window. No, <laughs> okay, we're good. Well, no, well, I mean, because I think of it like uh, what's the car selling company? Carvana. What's that? No, 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 no. The people that do the big auction down the street here. The Barrett Jackson. Barrett Jackson. When you go to Barrett Jackson, you buy a car, you pay a Barrett Jackson. A, a Barrett Jackson. That's this. Is that similar or no? Am I misunderstanding? Similar. I mean, we, we still have to get an appraisal. So my $300,000 example, the house still has to appraise for $300,000. So including the buyer's premium and everything, I can't have a house, you know, it's not up and above the $300,000. It is all in. So the right. purchase price is 285 The buyer's premium is a cost or whatever that fee turns out to be. And then that fee is all goes into the final purchase price, which is what the appraisers are getting. And that's what the appraisers are Interesting. Forever. Interesting. So, are, with the platform with with the platform Zoom, your buyer is communicating with your seller directly. Not directly. So, you as a as a listing I mean, through agent the, through the program. 
Yeah, they can. So we give all of our clients an access to it. We're finding that they're they're not quite comfortable, you know, using the platform to negotiate on their own behalf. So we're we're staying involved with that. But eventually, I think that's where it goes. Is that we, you know, buyer and seller communicate. They agree to terms. We kind of step in secondhand and say, okay, now you guys have agreed. Everyone understands what we're doing here. Boom, we write a contract. Well, if they're doing all the work, though, is it? Have you seen sellers not wanting to pay the uh, whatever is, is is the fee open or it's a fixed fee? It's a fixed fee, and they know it when they're going to go look at the house. So there's no there's no um, question that when they show up to the property that you know all of a sudden this this miraculous fee just showed up. Is it viewable on Zillow on TruliaHomes.com, Realtor.com? They where it's just in the in the remarks. In the remarks, we direct them to go to the, the Zillow website, which explains you know all of the the platform in there. And it's it's pretty simple. Or if you go to SuperSellerAZ.com, I created like a little commercial on there that's in, done in characters. And on there, it's I break it down even you know in, in its simplest form for a consumer, both buyer seller or even the the buyer's broker walking into one of our listings. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. Right? All right. So Have how you heard of these before? No. This is new for me too. Yeah. This is I'm, awesome. I'm just trying to absorb this. I'm really this. excited that you're on now. Um, yeah. Nova Junior. I'm so obviously we can not that this. smart because yes. this is kind of cool. I like it. So um, how many transactions does Zoom handle in Arizona, let's say in 2018 roughly? So I think in Arizona so far, it's probably about 50. Okay. Uh, nationwide. So before I even was willing to venture with it, I... I had them kind of tested. I wanted to really understand that it worked. I want to understand the biggest issue I had was just like the question you guys asked about, you know, can this be financed and is that going to be an issue for lenders? So I actually ran it by both of my preferred lenders and I wanted them to take it all the way to legal and make sure that they, they saw this addendum and that if I was advertising that it could be financed, that it actually could be financed. Um, so they did that. They also ran through about 750 of their own properties on the platform outside of Phoenix so, you know, it's a nationwide platform and they use it all over the country with all of their assets. So, you know, I think that what you're going to see as part of this is this is them testing what happens when the REO market maybe circles back around for us. So instead of us working on Equator and working with an asset manager, now we're kind of letting buyer and seller negotiate those terms. You know, you're dealing with high volume. There's a lot of moving pieces in the REO game. This allows them to, to negotiate terms and everything right on one level. All right, so I'll be the controversial one. Um, what if we, I mean, that's a, a making a large assumption that we're going back to short sale, short sale REO days. I mean, figuring that the, you know, the bank owned days from early 1990s, it was a long period of time, or am I missing a lot of stuff in between before the amount of volume that would require this kind of nationwide system? No, I mean, I think that nationwide, just due to pure scale, is being the second largest servicer in the country, they're just seeing so many REOs. Maybe not to Phoenix, things like that. But I mean, we're starting to see a little bit of an uptick here in the REO game. Um, I'm not saying we're going to go back to 2008. I, I don't think that's that's happening for a long time. But at the same time, even if it's 100, now instead of it being a lost loss for, for, for an asset management company like this, where they've got, they have to hire an employee that understands how to handle loss, and also pay for the loss, like so they have to pay brokers and everything to sure. They're trying to create a more virtual way of doing it. So this is this is kind of a proving ground for that. But in the meantime, I mean what it's what it's like I said, what it's doing for us as, as brokers or agents in the space is it's creating a more transparent transaction. And I think that's where the consumer really is leaning. 
Yeah, I like the transparency the most. I mean, I think that also because because all the terms are laid out, it's very clear. There's no uh, because right now in the current model or the we'll call it the legacy model, there's a lot there. The fees is not revealed to the buyer and seller until closing where you're now fast forwarding the fees up front. So it's a. a different concept, but but in, extremely intriguing. Yeah, and the seller, you know, they're instead of us walking in and having to negotiate on a fee, I'm basically presenting like, how what are we going to do to market your property in this platform? How can I market your property? And here's my advantages if you market this way, right? I'm going to have the cheapest listing in your neighborhood, which would probably drive more traffic. And so if I can get more eyes on your property, I'm going to create more competition. If I could do that, hopefully I could put more money in your pocket. So I'm right. walking up and saying, I'll list your house for free. I don't mean it's free, free for everything. But what I'm saying is, is that I can list your house without listing, signing a listing condition. Without building in a commission well, amount into the price, therefore. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, all right. So then to me, uh, I'll go on the agent side just to make for interesting conversation. So obviously you're the grand wizard here because essentially you're – how do you get agents to bring, because it seems like you're promoting this platform. How do you get agents to want to be a part of this? Because it's kind of uh, hard for them to compete against it. I don't know. Like it's, uh, But it's also saying that all the marketing is based purely just on price, which I think is the biggest thing that we are trying to say to agents. But you're proving the fact that we're, we're talking about is that if it's just price, it's only worth um, – a fixed fee is what you said versus the traditional model, which was charging a, a different number. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, the, you know, Zoom is, uh, is a platform of probably many that we're going to see down the line. I don't think that we're doing anything proprietary. You know, the, the idea of being able to negotiate, I mean, you know, you guys could start a website today where your buyer's agents are, are sending offers directly through, onto your listings, essentially doing the same thing, right? Like you could walk in the door, list the property for free, as long as you had the right addendums and negotiated it as an auction, then you could set it up the same exact way. So there's nothing really we're doing proprietary. The only difference here with Zoom is that they, it is nation star company and they're, you know, they've got a lot of firepower behind them to just on the marketing side for us to get the word out. And I think that, you know, the more it catches on, the more, you know, consumer-based stuff that we're seeing out there, the consumer's kind of aiming at this, you know, we want to see the transparency, we want to see all the fees and see how they're breaking down and, and all the stuff that just offers it right up front. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think it's cool. I think that it's cool because it's different and um, it'll be exciting to see. So you said He's Nation talking. Star is behind it? Okay. Yeah. So it's Nation Star Mortgage's, you know, sister company. And so can any lender, can you, can the buyer choose to work with any lender they want or do they get tied into that? No, they don't even have to get a prequal from NationStar. I mean, NationStar does originate mortgages, but they're primarily a servicer. So they're primarily an asset management company, right? Like, so they, they're buying notes on the secondary market. They're not necessarily originating that many. So I think origination is, you know, not, not the biggest part of their business. They're definitely a servicer. Okay, so um, I think that's been extremely interesting. But, I mean, the amount of transactions that you handled and the amount of volume, considering that you only did 50 through that platform, 
There's got to yeah. be other pieces. Can we talk about the other pieces? The other of your- thousand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm most excited about that. Yeah, it, obviously, well, first, very good. But, I mean, there, there's we're missing the, the larger piece of your business here. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, kind of when we started is my clients are institutions. So they're, it's big Wall Street money. You know, they've, they've walked into Phoenix is the, the hotbed for institutional buy for rent homes, right? Like we can, we rent high. Our prices are, you know, traditionally pretty low. They are easy to manage. Like we don't have basements. We have very little water issues, very little weather issues. Um, so all those things make it very interesting for Wall Street eyes to look at Phoenix and say, how do we buy single family homes and rent them at scale, right? Like they don't, they're not looking to rent a hundred. That's why you'll see us buy hundreds in a month, just because in order to deploy the amount of capital that these guys have already raised, um, we have to move fast and we've got to buy a lot of homes, you know? And so we rent them at, at pretty low margins, which allows me to buy at or even above market value in most cases. So if it's a really strong rental market, like a Tempe, South Scottsdale, things like that, where it's high demand rents, we can pay above market value for, for most of our homes. So, you know, the my client today that we're working with, the Cerberus, um, Cerberus is, uh, is a giant, it's a $30 billion corporation. They own Remington, the gun company, you know, they're a major shareholder in Costco. Um, they're just a massive company. And so this is just one of the strategies that they're, they're deploying. Um, the goal is to buy 50,000 homes nationwide. Once we stabilize the portfolio, they'll take it to market and actually sell it as a REIT. And that's the goal. So these homes are essentially go to pix- pixie dust. You know, when we, when we sell a house to the REIT, they'll never come back to the market. Um, we never list or sell them again. They just become big rentals and, Wow. So that so it's interesting though because with our population growing, you're sucking supply essentially out of the resale market, meaning that uh it was uh I think the and dumping it six, into the rental market. 64.8% of people own a house. So yeah. if that's the case and you lower the supply and we're not building new homes, you may be this you're one of the contributing forces to uh, keeping our market afloat essentially because it's. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the argument is that the, I guess the sale they're pitched to, to the wall street capital is that they, they're going to control workforce housing. They want to control, you know, the, the, the blue collar guy that's got 12, 1500 bucks for rent. They want to make it easy for them to live in a home without the high cost of maybe repairs, capital expenses, any of those things that would come along with it. So that, you know, if they can keep it rented, keep it going. And, you know, now you, you know, as a first time buyer or like, you know, entry level buyer, you probably wouldn't be able to compete if enough of these homes get bought up. Right. I mean, we're gonna, how many homes have you bought here in the, or have they bought here in the Valley so far? It just, you know, service itself has bought about a thousand in Phoenix, about so 20,000. When, when did you guys, when did you start working with them? November, November of 17. Okay. So a year. A thousand in a year, which is a lot, a lot, right? Yeah. But also, I mean, as far as sucking out supply, there was how many? Ninety six thousand homes will sell this year. Ninety seven, yeah. Ninety seven thousand homes. So one that that's one percent. Do you think that that helps keep an industry afloat? I, I'm more interested in just the changing. Um, well, I think the we demo, have to demographic look at of Wall Street looking at the Phoenix market because there's also. Uh, 
I want to say Bed Bath and Beyond, but that's not <laughs> uh, VRBO and um, that rental market taking supply as well. This is just another they're just chipping away, and then also the you know with the do you consider Open Door a competitor? We really don't. So, you know, we have a unique partnership with Open Door. Um, I work with them a lot. In fact, I'm doing a, a class with them tomorrow. We just finished one in Vegas a couple weeks ago. Oh, Kenny Class, right? Yeah, Kenny's moderating it for us. Um, right. It should be a really good event. You know, so what we're finding is basically if a consumer or an agent is submitting a property to Open Door, they're submitting it to us as well. And so we we share a you're lot saying of it. independently. They're submitting it at both places, or you're sharing it. They're submitting it independently. And so, Which you're not you know, no, yeah. I mean, in some <laughs> cases, right? In some cases, let's say, for example, my offer is greater than what Open Door can offer. In those cases, they're submitting my offer in lieu of theirs and representing us as a buyer's broker. Okay, you're gonna have to say that one again. Yeah, slow it down. There. So back it up. Yeah. Wait, Open Door is representing you as a buyer broker. Yeah. So if someone comes to Open Door's website and they submit a property to Open Door, saying, "Hey, can you can you buy this house?" Then I I see that lead. They submit it to me, and I see it and say, "I'm going to I I can offer you guys this," which in some cases, you know, based on a rent yield. Maybe I can pay more than they're willing to pay for it on a rehab. So you're an investor under Open Door, essentially, because you're a buyer through them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. If I if I can chip away at some of the the inventory and homes that they're seeing, then that works out great for them. They've done their job. You know, I think Open Door the the myth is that they're 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 a competitor. Or they're really a buyer, and I think they always say in, in all of our sessions that they're a market creator. They don't want to be necessarily, you know, on either side of the table. They want to create markets. And so we're just involved with that market. Like um, I'm seeing the lead. I'm, I'm submitting an offer. That's the best option for the consumer is that my highest and best offer is greater than theirs. So open door is transparent in that. And they'll submit our offer to them representing us. Now they know Cerberus. They know who it is. They, they know that, you know, it's a giant buyer and they're, they're going to perform. So it takes a while to kind of build that that um, sure. legit with them, yeah. but it it works, and vice versa. I mean, we see opportunities all the time that are great flip properties or that needs a, you know extensive rehab that we can't buy. I just can't make the rent yield work, and well, in those cases, I submit to Open Door. Yeah, I mean, so the whole idea is is that collectively you're working to. Um, increase the market size, meaning that the more you're just figure, the 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 more transparent you are, and the the better you are at creating the process, making it simpler. You believe that the market will grow. Is that is that true? I, I don't know that the market will grow. That there'll be more transactions, but at least we'll be involved. We'll be involved in more transactions. That you know, either either one of our groups will be involved in some yeah, way. I'm just saying that, that. Well, there was ninety. Let's say four years ago, there was ninety thousand homes, and there was no none of this qualification going on. Now we're going to sell ninety seven, but you guys are going to be ten ten thousand collectively between all of the or you know whatever six 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 thousand six thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, the idea is really that the consumer now kind of has a, a place to go where they don't have to, and it's, it's not always the best option, you know, and I think like, uh, I've heard Steve DeLaviaga talk about this recently in a lot of his sessions. We just had a Phoenix Aria conference and uh, a lot of the conversation was surrounded like, really, what does this consumer want, right? The consumer keeps saying to the world that they want the transparency. They, they, they at least want to know what their options are. So yes. if you're uh, going to go take a listing today and you're not getting an offer from us, you're not getting an offer from Open Door, chances are your consumers probably sent it to us already. We've already seen the house. Or right. maybe you're leading with a giving hand and saying, okay, here's your six options, right? So I think that's where agents need to go is kind of that the idea that they're going to come anyways, right? The advertising's being, all this stuff's happening. The iBuyer is no longer a secret. And if the consumer can get out there and just see all of the options, you know, the agent becomes a, a guide to say, okay, maybe, you know, here's your six options. Maybe a traditional listing is your best route. Maybe that that puts the that's that that achieves all the goals that you wanted. It's fast. It does all these things. Whatever it is for you, that's what makes sense. And that's all we're really looking to do. I mean, we know we're not going to get every deal. We just want a couple swings at the at, at bat. So I learned about you guys through uh, title company originally, right? Okay. Meaning yeah. that you're uh, uh, a good client of theirs. A good client of theirs. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But um, that that's one of your avenues to communicate your program. Do you guys right. also do, whereas Open Door, I learned about through more of the consumer advertising. Do you right. guys compete with them on the consumer advertising front or do you try to stick inside of the industry to procure more deals? For now, we've, we've stayed within the industry. You know, I find that it's, it's easier for us as a smaller company to allow an agent outside our brokerage or even within the brokerage that has a listing to work with the consumer directly. Uh, I'm not saying that we can't, but we haven't gone to a consumer direct model. We do get them and we do, you know, people that know who we are. It's probably your, most of what I see the consumer side are investors that have five, 10, 15 rental properties. They know who services, they're gonna find me and submit directly to right. us. But yeah, typically, I mean, it's it's all agent direct and, you know, agents get paid on them. It's great for, it's a win-win for the title company. They get, the transaction happens there. They, they make two clients happy. You know, maybe a transaction that wasn't necessarily going to take place. You know, we find that a lot where an agent's got an extensive database. And now this is a good reason to pick up the phone and say, hey, it might be the best time to sell your home. Whether it is or not, or I'm the right buyer, don't know. But at least we're having a real estate conversation. I think that's all we got to get to. So where is this going? What's the one-year, three-year, five-year vision for this then? Yeah. So for, for us, is, you know, if I could speak to Cerberus today, is that you know, we're, we're in an acquisition mode. I think in Phoenix, you know, my bogey is still about 4,000 homes. So you know, we've turned the pipe on and turned it off and turned it on and turned it off now a couple of times. And it just it has to do with more of operations. Like you can only rehab so many houses with the labor pool shortage that we've got here in Phoenix. Yeah, significant, right? We're yeah, seeing so it for sure. You, I, I was interesting to hear you bring that up. Yeah, so that becomes that's our biggest constraint is just you know rehabbing the house fast enough to get it to the rental market. Once they get to the rental market, they rent. So you know, as long as we can continue buying at a decent pace in Phoenix, I think that we'll probably be buying for at least a couple of years to buy. You know, to fill the buy box. Once you own a thousand, you better own four or five thousand in a market. That's how the institutions read it. You know, Why they, is that? It's overhead, right? They scale to overhead. So now you can hire, you can create your own property management company. You can have your own construction teams. You can 
kind of scale to to all that stuff. If you're you're paying third party vendors, you're not getting any of that savings by owning it yourself. So you know they you know services already raised the capital, so the money's there. It's now it's just time to to execute. So that's what we're in today. I I know of three or four other groups that are right behind this, you know, and and some that have been existing in Phoenix for years. I mean, Progress Residential is is an active buyer in our market today, and they've been buying for going on five or six years in Phoenix, you know. So I think BlackRock figure into all this. Blackstone. Blackstone. Same thing. So, you know, they're, they're, I think this year we'll see them be more of a seller than a buyer. They're, they, they did a merger with another company called Colony American Homes. Yeah. Colony's so, a big group. Yep. And so they went through that merger. They've been selling some of the assets. They don't quite fit all the, the buy box characteristics that they're looking for, but you know, they're. So the Blackstone and our marketplace acquire for whatever reason, but I don't know if I'm right or wrong. You I'm the reason I'm asking you is because I hope you know, Blackstone seemed to acquire properties, I don't know, seven years ago, right? Or five years ago when the market was here. And then the market's gone like this since then. And now you guys are acquiring properties. Is that because they have a sense that it's going to keep going like that? I think so. You know, that and cost of capital at scale is cheap too, right? Like big banks are lending to groups like Cerberus cheaper than they were five, six, seven years ago. So when they go to borrow money or leverage their capital, so if you go out and raise private capital, say you raise $2 billion of private capital, maybe you go to a Chase or a Morgan Stanley or one of these giant banks and say, you know, what can you give us on top of this? And so they'll leverage it at a, at a discounted rate. So, you know, one point over LIBOR, LIBOR, two points over LIBOR is kind of, you know, a norm. And so you're seeing, you know, the cost of money be a heck of a lot cheaper. So if you're leveraging a billion dollars, all of a sudden you got six or seven billion. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to think of the different ways that we can take this. So, all right. So, what about all the leads that don't go into that funnel? So, is that what you have the 150 agents for? Yeah. So a lot of our agents will will work traditionally and and work towards getting a listing. And so that's that's really where the the idea of Zoom started to to come up is that. You know, I knew that the consumer that was reaching out to us or reaching out to an open door was saying that they they were willing to work independently and maybe without an agent. And I would argue that's not probably the best way to go, but that's at least what what in their mind that they were willing. No, we're to- seeing the push towards that. So, I mean, I, I'm very you know, interested to hear you say that as well, is that the, we're seeing people not if they can. Yeah. Sidestep. Yeah. Well, because it's it's less in the questions, it's the big one, and that's best deal or more money, depending on which side you're on, for them. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to come up with a way that, you know, this this having the same conversation, I could spin it, essentially, and instead of saying, hey, I'm the greatest buyer in town and I can buy your house. But now I can also list your property and this is how. So it was it was a conflict. It was really hard for us to to go from we're going to buy it. And what in some cases was a discount from retail right. and then go to them now and say, well, I can also be the greatest listing agent in the world. And here's, here's all the reasons. Why I <laughs> I'm everything. Yeah. yeah. And that, that wasn't an easy deal. And so I had to figure out a way to, to create a, a more transparent or technological avenue for them to, to communicate with us. And some still, aren't into that. Like I find a lot of consumers are just not ready for, for that. And that's okay. 
I still see the property listed and I probably could have saved them money, but they, they didn't feel like they were ready for it. Well, I mean, so do you consider Zillow a competitor? Same thing. So just the, the same steps I just walked through with Open Door, we work with, with Zillow too. Okay, so do you uh, consider like OfferPad a competitor? No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, but is same it thing? No, so no, you have no competitor. So who is it? Who is your competitor? Wait a minute, you all want to buy similar houses. You just have different margins that you're able to buy them for. That's right. Yeah, and in most cases, there isn't really a crossover. Our our buy boxes are so different. You know, us being a buy and hold investor. um, Okay, I gotta pause you on that because I thought that your buy boxes, I thought that their buy boxes were overlapping, and I assumed yours. No, his is based on rent. Yeah. And theirs is based. Oh, so you buy houses. So then, when your your buy box is based on rent, not based on valuation of property. So you'll buy houses a million bucks if it will rent out. No, no. So we well, right now our buy box is limited to about three hundred fifty thousand. That's about the top that we'll look at. Okay. But um, you know these other other competitors or you know whatever we're talking about, Open Door Offer Pad. These Similar guys are institutionalized buyers. They buy a house, they renovate it, they put it back on the market. So all I'm to them is I'm another buyer, you know, so I'm just another buyer to those guys. And so if I can see it further up their food chain, maybe I can save them a little bit of money because they're not going to pay, you know, for, for carpet if I don't need it to hit my rent yield. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, or the, maybe I don't need a fridge because it already has one that I can use and it'll rent fine with that fridge. It just wouldn't necessarily sell at top dollar on the retail market if they didn't put the fridge in. So we right. try to further up the food chain with them and, and they make their own decisions. We don't, we certainly don't buy, you know, most of, or even, you know, a sliver of the homes that they, they look at, but. But he also buy. doesn't have the mark. So do you have a market fee that you charge? No. So they yeah. do. So they, cause they got to swing the property. So essentially he's going to be in net slightly higher, I would believe than their offer. In some cases, yeah, and, and our model is 100% driven by rents. So if my yield just doesn't hit, like I'll use Chandler as a great example. In our entire two eight six, yeah, in a thousand homes that we've bought, I think we bought one home in Chandler, and it's because the the property values are high, high the rents, and the are, rents are low. Yeah, it's not so even close to Intel down there. There's not a good rent. Yeah, we just can't get the the rent yield. I mean that that home is still. It's it's either priced out of our buy box, so it's over three fifty, or also red. All right, so then let me see if I'm following. Let's see if how I like to think that I'm a smart guy, market expert, uh, (laughs) self-proclaimed. So I would have to think then the development that's happening on the one hundred and one corridor is like juicy as shit to you because that's going to create higher rents. Um, yeah. And if you can stabilize rents in that area, because there's going to be a lot of lower um, or middle, low to middle income workers there that are going to need housing for a long time. But that area is going to get way inflated for price and your investors will be happy because at the end of the chain, he, he's going to be able to collect the money and then he's going to be able to sell it at a premium when he's done. Right. Yeah. And so that that was the difference with Cerberus out of all the that I worked with is they started looking at home 1950 more because they knew they wanted to be in the So Whether it's Phoenix, Las Vegas, all these other areas that we work in, they wanted to be in the city core. They knew that, that the workforce was close to all the jobs. They, they wanted to make sure that these people were going to live there. 
And so that was the idea of that. We, we do look at new homes. We do see a lot of new homes and those, those work out great for us to a point that it becomes, they, the builder keeps increasing the prices and we're not able to, we're just not able to keep up with them. Our rents don't increase exponentially with the price, I would say. So, wow. All right. Yeah. Well, we got to ask the, let's review the questions because then we can get you out of here. So in putting the consumer first, our podcast is, is you got to, usually people do one of three things on the sell side and then the buy side. For the sell side, do you think that you help the sellers get more money? Do you help them equate a faster sale or less hassle? Which one are you? do you think you're serving? I think we, we probably get them more money on the, the zone stuff. And then on the for our institutional buys, we definitely – it's speed. You know, we're, we're definitely a cash buyer that's, that's buying quickly with no hassle to them. What's the fastest you've turned – you've bought a property from submission? We still have to inspect them and at scale, like we're, we're buying about 15 homes a day when we're cranking. Right. And so we only have three inspectors in town. And so we, it still takes us 10 days to inspect it. And then we can close it all five days after that. Cause you still got a clear title and all that stuff. Right. Okay. And then, so what percentage of the homes do you represent the, or do you represent, represent more as a seller or the buyer? This year, definitely. We're going to represent a lot more buyers. Yeah, yeah, a lot more buyers. Because the institutional. Right, I thought I knew the answer. Oh, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to make sure I wasn't missing any of the pieces that he has. Gotcha, we don't know gotcha. what we didn't we only learned some of the stuff that he does. I'm Three, sure he's got a thousand extra. houses in the last yeah. 12 months. Yes, he's busy. Yeah, yeah, buyer yeah right. Sides. But how, what percentage of those are buyer sites? 90%. Okay. So then um do you believe but you're not re- well, but it's uh since he's not representing do you, do you represent mom and pop buyers? We do, yeah. So because of the sheer volume of properties we see that are submitted to us off-market or pre-MLS, a lot of investors, we work with a lot of investors, the mom and pop, the guy using his IRA 401k, things like that. I mean, we're really finance investment-based company. And so, you know, we help kind of even the, the beginning investor walk in. If they want to buy a vacation rental, we'll underwrite it for them. We'll show them how the thing functions financially for them. Let them make a decision if it's actually what they want. It sounds cool. Like everybody wants to own one. Is it really when you put the numbers to it? And, you know, we try to share the risk and things. Right. So do you manage our VRBO properties for people? We do, yeah. So we've got about 200 vacation rental doors under management today. Um, A lot of our owners manage themselves. So a lot of them are are professional investors. And so they, you know, they've they've kind of got their own systems. Right. Their own buy box. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, we, we will manage a, a vacation rental for, for them. Um, I really got into management just out of pure need. I was selling these vacation rentals cause the yields were great. I was, my clients were making money, but I couldn't, there wasn't a lot of property managers in town that understood how to, how to manage these things. And I'm, I'm not saying I did either. I just learned it on the fly. And then now we've scaled that a little bit and have quite a few under management. Okay, so I got one last question for him. And I said, you got questions for us. We're open. And if anyone in the audience wants that, we didn't get a lot of questions today. No, dude, we're I mean, all learning. Yeah, right? we're, we're all, in yeah, class. We're in class. There's we're, no doubt about it. What is your long-term vision on the market appreciation for Phoenix? I mean, everything we're underwriting to today, we're, we're still building in a little bit of an appreciation. Um, we underwrite in our office to about a 3% appreciation year over year. 
definitely outpace that. But, you know, fundamentally, that's what we say we're going to across the board. I don't I don't know. I, I think that, you know, Wall Street spoke a little bit last week and said that they they weren't so excited about the, the Fed increasing rates. Keep an eye on that stuff. I think that that's that's where we're going to see it. If money becomes more expensive, that's where I would see the appreciation buck stop. But if the money continues being cheap, then there really is no reason, you know, that 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 it would slow down. Okay, so I always thought that the only time that money can get more expensive is when the economy is greater. Therefore, it's a bigger buyer pool. And why I yep. thought that interest rates rose in four, five, and six along with the marketplace. So it's you know it didn't stop it then. Why do we think it's going to stop it now? I think it just it takes kind of that you know that. You know, you got to look at our, our bulk of our sales. So, I mean, if you look in Phoenix, I think a bulk of our sales are under 300000 right? Our median home price is 265 something like that. Yeah, so, 95% is under 500000 but yeah, there's a lot. So, what's that, what's that mortgage, you know, mortgage payment to the consumer? You know, if that mortgage payment goes up by a point, that's a significant change to a family that's living paycheck by paycheck. So, if that wipes out you know, the guy that's making thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year from being able to buy a home, prices them out of that market, and all of a sudden you see that whole segment of homes become that much must more or less expensive because they have to be palatable for the consumer. Fair enough. I think they just buy a smaller house, but you know, again at the end of the, at the bottom end of the chain, the person goes out of the marketplace. So I story I told my kids when somebody rolls over and they bump one out, like yeah. That's what happens there. Okay, good. <laughs> Too many questions. Dan, you've been an awesome guest. I mean, I, I thank you for I, taking the time to come and talk. To yeah, us about what this has been to. spectacular. Very I, interesting. I would say that uh, we had a comment from our uh, Jim Mitchell, who is a uh, a solid listener and commenter, and he says he's just soaking it all in today. That it was a good show. Yeah, so, it was. Uh, we we learned. We we felt like we we're in uh, students of the game. Students, yeah, learning a lot. So thank you. You're you've been spectacular. Anything for us before you get out of here? No, I, uh, I uh, appreciate you guys getting me on here to be on again, or you guys have a question about something, I'll keep an eye on the uh, the podcast in the future, and maybe hopefully get some comments in there. Well, we had you out. We're excited to work with you as well. I mean, we're we're looking for those opportunities, so we, we, we look forward to doing some business with you in the future. So thank you so much, Dan. All right, guys, thanks. Take care. Take Happy care. Wednesday, or Monday. Oh. What's today? <laughs> Monday. Monday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Thank you for listening to The Solution hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Stay up to date by following us on soundcloud.com forward slash Ask Jeff and Phil or download the Apple Podcast app and search for The Solution hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. You can find links to all of our social media platforms in our description, including a Facebook group link to The Solution presented by Ask Jeff and Phil. If you have questions, please leave a comment below and we will answer those questions on Facebook Live Mondays and Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time.